low wayward Christian soldiers. Soldiers. Oh no, wait a minute, that's a different podcast. Hello, witches. <laughs> WWJD, Chris. You know, you know the Christians in that that have those little bracelets with WWJD. Yeah. You know what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, I'm going to start some new ones. Um, with WWSCU. Do you know that what must that be? Uh, what would Scott Cunningham use? Yes. What would Scott Cunningham use? Because Scott Cunningham is a master magician and witch, clearly, because his books sell so well and everyone needs to get them so that they know what ingredients to put in that love spell or that money spell or that oh no it wouldn't be a black magic spell because it's yeah. wicca in there. uh you know just he's in the general, wiccan messiah the wiccan <laughs> messiah Ugh, it's a shame we haven't already named this podcast i'm gonna have to put what? it in a graphic or something the wiccan <laughs> messiah i love that oh is that is that better well how about we rename it and you put the tagline as a, a ww SCU. No, no, it, it's already saved. I ain't going through the river <laughs> of renaming and stuff. But, but it, you do make a very good point because they're always going on. Our good Christian friends, you know those, um, are always going on about <laughs> Jesus and that, <laughs> and how he wrote the Bible after he died. Obviously. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, well, Scott Cunningham. There's a lot of Scott Cunningham <laughs> books that come out after he's yeah. died. So maybe he he's really a ma- Wicca Messiah. Messiah. Like, why would you ever doubt me, Liam? Come on. Like, I'm a genius. If you don't know what to use in your spells because you haven't got a clue how magic works, then you can go and buy, not from the thothwitchcraft.com website, you can, <laughs> but from Amazon. In the used section, because he is very well used by the themes of it, you can buy a Scott Cunningham book. Within said Scott Cunningham book, there'll be many, many lists that have been ripped off and copy and pasted from elsewhere. Which is funny, because that's all the, all the Wiccans that publish books do nowadays. <laughs> they just copy and paste it from here. Hey, hey. Is that because he's modern enough in the 90s to be out on Kindle, so when they're writing their own books, all they have to copy and paste. do is copy and paste. Whereas the older ones, <laughs> the older ones you used to have to retype. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to write a, a modern 21st century book on Wicca, you don't want to have to type it, or do you? I mean, why why do that when you can copy and why paste? Why would you put so much work into something that's not going to work anyway? <laughs> well, I know. Surely it's just a bunch of bullet points. With things like rosemary equals can be used for anything. <laughs> Rose chorus equals love and that. And then you just slap a pentagram cover yeah. on it and then just go straight to publication. Isn't that how the Welling works? <laughs> right, we need to calm down now because this was supposed to be the um, the podcast of the month that would be actually teaching them something. So, you know, we got to actually point some stuff out. Obviously, you learn stuff out of every one of our podcasts, obviously, because we're just brilliant. But what I'm trying to say is we can't just have it in another Wiccan bashing episode because that's that's just not cool. I feel a bit iffy. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I think you're being are you, are you being haunted that, by Scott Cunningham? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I think I'm channeling the Messiah here. No, not Jesus, the other one, the Wiccan Messiah. Tobacco is a substitute for any poisonous plant. Oh God, it came out. Oh, I I don't. You can use a white candle okay. for anything. Oh gosh, is, I gotta keep my trap shut now. Wait a minute, let me get rid of this. How do I get rid of a Wiccan? You know, that's possessed. <laughs> the power me. of Christ. I'll get I'll get one I'll get me sage <laughs> I'll get my sage smudge stick out. Wait a minute. Let me get my sage smudge stick out. No, I don't think that'll be enough. Oh that feels better. I may I may have to <laughs> Well sage sage smudge sticks can get rid of any negativity, even shit authorship, surely. <laughs> Have you got it all out of your system yet? Yeah, he's definitely gone. Maybe I'll stick him in that prison <laughs> I'm working on. Okay. I could charge the Wiccans money to go and look at his picture and contact okay. we him. We can't do this the whole episode. I mean, the funny thing is, the funny thing is my prison is a <laughs> So if I shoved Scott Cunningham's <laughs> immortal soul or aspects of it anyway within my book, does that mean that my book of my prison book is then going to be full of correspondences? <laughs> I can just I can just channel the necessary correspondences. I'll put my hand on it. You know, like they swear an oath in, in that. When I want to do a spell, I'll put my hand on his picture the picture in the book that I'm going to throw him in, um, lock him in, and I'll, to, I'll know what what to use as my ingredients. Because I think I've been doing it wrong the whole time because I've been asking the ingredients, you know, from an animistic perspective. Do you want to get involved with this? What can you add to it? You know, listening. And I know in the cunning, the cunning man's cabinet, you always get the same old ones that always get on and get involved with anything. They're always, pick me, pick me, 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 like that. And then you get the ones that are a little bit more quiet, that only chime in every now and then when they feel like they want to get involved, you know. I've been doing it all wrong. I needed a really big bullet point list. That's what I've needed. Like one of those crystal Bibles. What are your thoughts, Chris? Is that what you do when you design your charm bags and that, and your other spells? Do you go, right, where's the Scott Cunningham book? What am I going to put in this little bag? I'm sorry, everybody. I think he's been holding this back for a while, and uh, clearly <laughs> clearly it needed to be cut, come out of his system. Um, let's actually talk about some of the actual issues, okay? So why would you not super... Come on. Su su substitutions. So not substitution area locomotives, um, you know, that, that beautiful, but no, that's, that's another, another podcast. podcast. I'm looking forward to that one. But oh, yeah. substitutes. Substitutes. Oh, come on. Just because I didn't yeah. let you sing the intro does not mean you get to sneak it in as we go along. Okay. So we'll, we'll get, we'll get in trouble about Rafe again, sticking it in without permission. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you can't say that. Well, then stop <laughs> I it. I mean, saying saying the fuck shit and piss is one thing, but you can't start talking about rape and stuff. I'm definitely going to have to hit the explicit tab now. Honestly, you don't have to take things too far, don't <laughs> Just you? Just stop it, okay? Can we talk about substitutions? Okay, because obviously... Today's theme is magical correspondence, isn't it? So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with substitutions? I, I think we should start with substitutions things? because that's the biggest one of the myths okay. that gets thrown around all the time um, on all these insta-witches. 
and what are you doing? Right. Can you see what this is? It's it's an empty glass jar. It is an empty glass jar. So in my little beautiful altar, my Wiccan altar, with all of me pretty labelled jars and such like that, if I wanted to do a spell and I go over to said altar, yeah, and I think I really, really want some rose petals for my spell, but my jar is empty of rose petals, do I, A, go on Amazon and order some that come from a third world country picked by slaves and wait until that arrives to do my spell? Or do I, B, substitute those rose petals for something else, such as rosemary, because according to Scott Cunningham, we all know that can be substituted for anything. What option would you pick? What, what am I trying to do? Well, if you've got a, a, a spell in a Wiccan book or summer that calls for a specific ingredient to add to your spell, but you don't have any of that ingredient, the jar is empty, what do you do? Do you go and order some and wait for it to arrive, or do you substitute it for something else? I'd probably tear a page out and use that. So you'd substitute it for something else? I mean, there is one good thing about those um, those Wiccan books, is that it's free paper at the end of the day, isn't it? And a lot of them, if you go to the works and get them from the bargain bin, they're actually a lot more cheaper than the standard A4 or A5 Oxford notepads. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a bit of writing on it, but don't pay any attention to that because it's all shit anyway. So, yes, let's talk about substitutions. So the, the, the point is, we would probably never use a substitution because we would select the item we were going to use for the spell, not go to a reference book as what I should use for said spell. So, you know, but then that's because I would use and I encourage students to use an intuitive method of creating their spell works from scratch, as opposed to having a... Chris, you're a super This witch. is my... <laughs> you're a super witch. If you can make your own spells and write your own spells instead of having to get them from a spell book, then you're a super witch. I mean, even Harry Potter can't do that. <laughs> I think Snape made his own spell, didn't he? That Sectum Super Spell. But even Harry Potter can't make his own spells. I mean, come on. I mean, how do you go about making a spell, Chris? How come you don't need these books? You mean you don't need... The Scott Cunningham Encyclopedia of some bloody crap. I don't know if that's a real one, but it probably will be in another I think couple of years. Llewellyn will listen to this and, 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 and create <laughs> one. <laughs> Brand new. <laughs> 2025. Read Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of a load of magical random <laughs> shit. <laughs> As mentioned on the, the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Live. Um, right. No, I wouldn't... <laughs> You know me, I'm the sort of person that goes, you know, if, if it can be um, borrowed, stolen or um, grown yourself, then I suggest you use that in first instance. Are we talking gypsy magic now? <laughs> You're trying to get us in as much trouble as possible now, aren't you? The, you know I get in trouble with for using yeah. that word. Um, so, yes, anyway. Yeah, but I haven't been in trouble for it. But you yet. will be now. You wait until 
Well, no, because this is a this is this is a British yeah. show. Therefore, we can't get in trouble for using sanctioned British words. So Americans and such. I know that some words in America you're not allowed to say, but in the UK you are allowed to say some words. <laughs> you know, because they're officially sanctioned. So. If you don't know the word we're specifically talking about, no, it's not the word rape that Chris said earlier. It's actually the word gypsy. Now, do we need to go off on a tangent first of all? Now I've mentioned this and dragged it up instead of just leaving it be where no one would have really paid any attention or noticed. Do we need to now go and justify using the word? I think we do, because otherwise we'll get in trouble. So go on, go ahead and justify why you use that you, word. Have you started taking some new medicine or something today? No, but I have been on my absolute best behaviour, as you well know, doing lots of podcasts where I've been ever so okay. good. It's only this one and that love spell okay. one, the love magic one, that I've been a little bit naughty. Come on, you ain't okay. there. Right. Okay. Apparently, so I found out recently via Instagram that there is uh, there is certain groups of the world, and I think we are referring generally to Americans on this situation. Um the United, United States. States of, I have, have a problem with my use of the word gypsy, because apparently it has, uh, what was it, Nazi connotations, as it's a racial slur used by them during occupation of parts of Europe. This may... But you didn't call anyone no, gypsy, I didn't. Though, did you? You didn't call anyone. I was actually one. pointing out no. that by saying that... Um, saying that someone has to buy their own <laughs> buy their own they can't buy their first tarot deck um it has to be given to them uh, is somehow gatekeeping well obviously i had two problems with this um one was the fact that it's not gatekeeping because what is secret knowledge about whether or not you buy your tarot deck or someone else gives it to you um, that is not the definition <laughs> definition of gatekeeping. Um, also, the fact that actually, the you know, it was a custom. And actually, I didn't like that they got the custom wrong. Um, because technically, the custom is you should either steal or have gifted your first one. It means categorically you should not buy your first one. But as most people in the world are not... Um, part of a gypsy culture therefore that doesn't technically apply to them does it so stop trying to steal other people's traditions and uh, get on with life if you want to buy your deck you go buy your deck it's just a bit of superstition um anyway by the fact that i had mentioned the g word which i wasn't to realize that was uh, so touchy for those in in america that it was uber, uber, uber PC, that you should not be using that word and should use the word traveller instead, um, which is one, inaccurate, and that's obviously the one that boils my tits so much the most, um, but it's also the fact it's not, it's not a true representation. You know, for us over in, you know, the UK, if I was to go and call somebody who is nomadic, should we say, um, a, a traveller, I would probably get punched in the face. However, if I use the word gypsy to describe a group, they'd go, oh, exotic, that sounds, exotic. We like that one. It makes us sound like uh, 
you know, we're hiding gold in our teeth, you know? And we have um, exotic spices. Like, it just, I couldn't understand for the life of me why it was borderline. I was ready to get, I was about to be blocked from this page just for using the word gypsy and I couldn't understand why. Anyway, uh, it turns out the reason um, I'm apparently so ignorant is because it's it's a slur used uh, used by the Nazis, uh, which is both true, but also it you know you can't just call everybody um, a traveller like that's not how it works. I was referring to a specific culture and a specific tradition handed down from them to the world. I think it was appropriate to use the word gypsy. Anyway. And it was a quote in quotation was. marks, wasn't it? The gypsy method of tarot reading, referring to a very specific method from a very specific time in a very specific culture. Um, in Britain, obviously, there is the the gypsy, the official gypsy council that was helped create. The go British government helped yes. create that, um, and it is one of those things that I thought that was quite strange things. But luckily, you've been pulled up and not me. There you go. So there we go. If you go on the Fourth Witchcraft Facebook page under the reviews section, you'll find this very, very nasty review given by someone who didn't like Chris's use on a completely different platform, Instagram, when he used the term gypsy um, fortune telling or something like that. What was it? Gypsy fortune telling system or gypsy tarot method, something like that. She didn't like it. She ended up stalking the company. She ended up leaving a bad review. And there we go. But you know ultimately whoever did that didn't do their research and didn't even bother to ask him for his point of view but that is the world in which we live in so those that are listening at the moment you're probably not aware because you're probably listening on patreon so what we're going to do this week is something a little bit different as you know we tend to do the whole watershed thing where we start off with the podcast and then, you know, it goes into the watershed. What we're going to do is we're going to do a, a official pleb podcast bookend system today. So you're going to have all of this content at the beginning that no one else <laughs> knows about. You're going to have the stuff in the middle, the actual official podcast, and then you're going to have the stuff at the end as well, because this is more like what actually happens. So we kind of give you an idea of what happens where you get the extended edition, but you don't necessarily get the the outtakes, the little bit in the beginning where we're setting up and making sure that we're plugged in the right holes and all that sort of thing. So now we're going to start with the official podcast. Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Now, you know the Christians say, what would Jesus do? And they've got those little arm bracelets and all that sort of thing that the gift shops like to sell. Well, I've come up with a new one, Chris. It's WWSCU. Do you know what that stands for? It would say, what would Scott Cunningham use? Yes, Scott Cunningham, the Messiah. Oh, you've stolen it. How dare you? The Messiah of Wicca. <laughs> you came up with that one, but obviously the only people that can really prove that's our patrons. <laughs> you don't want to listen to them. 
they like to think they know what goes on behind the scenes, but they don't. Anyway, so today we're all going to tackle the subject of magical correspondences. So when you get these Scott Cunningham books and they say, use this, Rosemary. Everything. Protection. <laughs> or everything, yeah. That's the Pinterest, I think, isn't it? The Pinterest tells you to use Rosemary for everything. Or use the plain rose core, uh, plain uh quartz crystal for anything or use the rose quartz for love or use a oh, what i don't know but it's just one of those things okay so let's get to the bottom of this do you need a magical book of correspondences for magic is it is it necessary at all no <laughs> sorry was i supposed to no. expand on that do... <laughs> no do you think that if you're gonna use herbs for medicine do you think that you might need one then yes i think it's probably a good idea if you are going to attempt to take something medicinally um that one you should consult a doctor uh, or a herbalist and and secondly you should make sure you definitely know what you are using so the safest way to do that is obviously to buy it from from a herbalist uh, in its raw state as opposed to necessarily growing it yourself although we do Yes, um, mainly just because of obviously potency and you're not entirely sure about the potency and things. There are ways around it, as Lady Poison would probably explain, the whole tincture method is a quite a good way of making a standard kind of potency for formulas and things like that. We'll try and get her on at some point to talk about potions making and top secret Welsh witchcraft, but obviously we're still working on that. So anyway, so basically... From my perspective, and tell me if you agree or disagree, these books with correspondences and stuff like that might be interesting from the perspective of giving people um, ideas. Ideas, yeah, and inspiration that they can then go and research. But ultimately, what I see as pointless is if you're going to start working with herbs and you're going to start working with them medicinally, you'll need a herbal. Yeah. Yeah. So why not, instead of buying the crappy Scott Cunningham book, buy a herbal which gives you more information about the history, is normally a little bit more accurate, and there's some scientific stuff in there that you might also find interesting. Yeah, and to... Get a herbal, not a spell book. And traditional uses, things like, you know, from a historical point of view, what would the Romans have used it for? What would the Egyptians have used it for? Is there some kind of correlation? Um, obviously, the plant will have changed over those hundreds of years, um, and therefore, it's probably a good idea for you to get acquainted with said herb. But at the end of the day, like you will get a much more rounded understanding of what the capabilities are from a um, from a herbal perspective, then might give you some extra insight into how you would use that magically. Yeah, so basically think of our little lovely friend nettle so nettle in the uk stinging nettles you probably think that they're everywhere um the romans i think brought them over here and they like to flog each other with them there's a story in that for example you could go and do your own research on it in fact i highly suggest you do because we're not going to spoil it for you but things like stinging nettles stuff like that they're so abundantly in your local area that you could start using them in magical practice blah 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 and medicinally as well, because they're great for making medicines with um, for certain things. Obviously, but be careful where that, you're getting you... them from. 
I would. Yeah. If, if you don't if a dog a, can cock its if if a dog can cock its leg, you've you've harvested it from higher. Yeah, you're probably going to be taking either the the new leaves at the top, you know, or you're going to be using the seeds. So basically, you can look all of that up. Um, but it is one of those things that that grows everywhere. If you looked that up in a Scott Cunningham book, it's going to say something stupid like nettle equals protection. Right, okay, that's really, really helpful. So if it's a book, it should either give you fairly decent information or it should just not even bother to publish information about it in the first place. Now, obviously, from an animism perspective, so as in dealing with the plant spirit and learning from the plant itself, that is one of those things that people either go with that theory, have experience with that, or they don't at all. So if you're of the mind where you want to go more scientific, then the chances are you'd probably get on better with a herbal when it deals with researching herbal ingredients and stuff. Not these stupid Pinterest posts where they say, here's the magical uses of rose quartz or rosemary. Whereas if you're one of those people that tends to go through the more psychic roots, the more kind of right side of the brain maybe, then you might want to study rosemary in the wild, you might want to start collecting some, you might want to try and feel for the energy and that sort of thing, because that's how you explore. Much like how children explore, babies explore, they put things in their mouth and stuff like that. Well, obviously psychics often when they're getting on their kind of spell casting and stuff for the first time i think from what i've seen is they tend to want to feel the ingredients i get a feel for them they don't really want to start looking loads of stuff up in the book do they no end of day like why would you want to necessarily use um exotic ingredients that aren't grown locally you can't actually get a feel for how they are yeah don't get me wrong there will always be moments where you're like okay nothing for what i want to do nothing's going to work better than frankincense like but you know what i mean like but there'll be those there'll be those exceptions to the rule your general work surely can be environmental you have a better understanding of that that if it grows in your environment you have more in common with it if it grows in your environment so if you're doing spellcrafting work that works directly with you as an individual um surely your understanding of where that is the triggers of you know going back to how you would sense it you know is taste smell um places you will have seen it um memories from when it was used or or, or moments that might have been used growing up you're going to have more of a relationship with something that grows locally like nettle for example um than if you were going to get a random item because the Scott Cunningham book told you to use it. So if you've never worked with wormwood, for example, why would you put it in something that you are hoping to know what results you are going to get from a spell working? Because surely when you're designing your spell, you're going to build it in a way that you know it's going to get you the result. Otherwise, what's the point of casting in the first place? Um, you know, there is that part of, well, you know, if you're formulating what's going into it, you need to understand why that item is going into that mixture 
not just because certain certain author has said it's good because you know largely it's going to be a case of actually do you have an understanding of what's going to happen if you don't know the ingredients yeah and it's just going back to that kind of cookery book idea of spell casting or here's a list of ingredients and here's the method i'm not going to explain it but you're just going to go and copy it or try and copy it where does this thing come from with the correspondences i just don't really get it when did we stop thinking having a relationship and thinking about the ingredients and about the practice and throwing ourselves into it and when did we start going down this kind of recipe book approach i imagine it what are your thoughts because i've got some strong thoughts well i imagine i want to hear yours <laughs> i imagine it's the resurgence of witchcraft during the 50s onwards is going to be a large part of it is going to be where you blame it on the wiccans going, well not necessarily the wiccans but more the case of the red blaming it on the cochrane no the readily availability <laughs> of printed works about witchcraft so they're not going to happen until the 50s are they for what reason Liam? oh the repeal of the witchcraft act in britain of course of course so therefore that's when it all went wrong from that point you're then <laughs> going to, uh, you know it's not a case of oh i'm going to use grandma's you know a collection of recipes because it wouldn't have been a grimoire or a book of shadows we didn't call them then um you know it was being a case of it would have been in her secret book of recipes her little black book um that she would have handed down from her from her mother and her grandmother etc so you know it was secret knowledge being handed down bloodlines as opposed to necessarily being able to go to a local bookshop and buying it like you can the works of shakespeare like you know it's at that point, it's, it's so readily available, the printed word, that it's only gone downhill from there. So, you know, obviously what sells gets reprinted and recast like Shakespeare. Um, you know, it, they, they get something that's popular and then everybody bastardises it over, over and over again. So the biggest problem with that is the fact that the likes of Scott Cunningham were the ones that were popular at the time. Um, unfortunately we're st now still reaping the rewards of it when it's a, ca a case of actually why would you just why would you do what you know wwscu why would you do what scott cunningham does or says to use oh by all means now i've there here's some some food for thought right okay if the witchcraft act that was never repealed and it was still say illegal to practice witchcraft in the uk now this show would be on the dark web wouldn't it be on the deep web it would. right on some sort of weird kind of thing we'd be getting our patreons through all the bitcoin and all that yep. kind of like silk road and where you go and buy drugs online that sort of thing you'd be buying your drugs and you'd also be buying your next episode of the no old barred witchcraft podcast yep. Imagine what that show would be like. Oh, God. Not just from the perspective of, obviously, we try to censor ourselves and be polite and stuff. Yeah, actually, we do. So don't shake your heads. <laughs> we do try and censor ourselves and be polite on the main, the main, at least the mainstream one. 
mainstream podcast, but also think of practice. There would be none of this Pinterest crap. No. There would be none of these books coming out. The magical world would be full of people that, if it was known what they were practicing, they would have been arrested or they would be arrested and stuff. Yeah. That means that it would be underground, which means that it would only be really serious seekers and practitioners that would be about. Imagine how much more interesting magical practice would be. You wouldn't be having to read through a pile of shit just to get a couple of golden nuggets. Yeah. I do often think You also about wouldn't that. be using rose quartz and the likes of things like that because why they wouldn't be so readily available because the new age wouldn't have happened. So it wouldn't have become popular currency in order to use these sorts of items. So you probably would only be using what was available in your environment or what you could get hold of um, in other ways, I guess. You know, I, even to a certain extent, you know, you'd probably t in the UK, um, I don't know about the rest of the world because I can't speak for them. But in the in the UK, maybe we'd be using more Chinese ingredients because a Chinese herbalist would be an easy place to get hold of strange and wonderful things. Um, because I, <laughs> I remember in my in my young days uh, when I couldn't find something because there was no decent witchcraft shops about, um, it would be what was available in the supermarket and what was available at the Chinese herbalist if I wanted to be ambitious. Yeah. How many of you have gone in a Chinese herbalist looking for magical herbs and ingredients <laughs> and stuff like that? No, you just go to the spice rack at Asda, don't you? Or Waitrose if you're, you know, middle class. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, some of you people might be going out and bumping into other magical practitioners at the crossroads at night. You might bump into old lady poison down at the crossroads. With a stang pointing at it, but the old folk devil making him do a bit <laughs> <laughs> instead of all your Facebook groups, like the one that we were we made. You yeah. know, imagine that. Obviously, we might not all be friends in a community, but we probably either would be on the astral, or we would be mixing probably more with local practitioners. Yeah. Because that's the thing, when you when you meet local practitioners, more often than not, it's not online, it's bumping into them at sacred sites, at various different places, because these places of power tend to attract our sort, like magpies, yeah. don't they? <laughs> you know? And it's a lot like dogs in it, you know when there's another dog about, a dog knows when there's another dog <laughs> about, a witch knows when there's another witch around the corner. Yeah, they're always you know? pissing everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, marking their territory. <laughs> or are you just talking about the um, <laughs> the Wiccans, the, the, the older generation of Wiccans that are in the care homes and they're pissing themselves because they're incontinent. Oh, poor guys. <laughs> the ones that wrote the books in the, the, in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> the incontinent Wiccans. They went from being incompetent <laughs> to incontinent. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, you set that one up. I mean, you know. Unintentionally, I will add. Um, but no, I think... Magical correspondences. The, <laughs> the, world, the, the world would be very different. You have got a point. The question is whether or not you'd want want that. I don't know. I, does, the, does the bad balance out the good? I, I don't know. I'm not going to go down there because it will end up in, in another tangent. 
But it just, I don't understand why people expect to, or, well, maybe I'm, maybe that's the problem. I wonder why people think they're going to progress in their practice by sticking to what books say. So I, I struggle with that. But then am I giving too much credit and actually it's not about progression, it's about doing the work. Is is that? Is that the difference? I think that it's a case of if you're learn and spoon fed from a book that's structured and there's a curriculum, you never ever develop the ability to solve your own problems or create your aims and goals because the book tells you what techniques you're supposed to do. The book tells you to a certain extent the result you're supposed to get. And it all comes from that. You're never really, you know, having to to really think and aim yourself. And obviously that book will be biased in that it will be created by some of us on a path. Unfortunately, the current popular path is Wicca, um, although it's moving into traditional witchcraft. I mean, I mean post-Keldon <laughs> traditional witchcraft. Do we need to go off on that PKTW. That might be... That might be a podcast all in it. I think it will be. But it, it is that kind of, you know, where even to a certain extent, you know, and I, the only comment I will make on that front is that kind of, you know, by switching it from a circle to a compass uh, doesn't therefore make it anywhere better. It's still using a circle. So, you know, uh, if you've if you've never got to the point where you have learned what the circle is supposed to represent and how it doesn't physically need to be drawn anywhere, um, then uh, obviously, you know, we need to get you some new books to read or, you know, sign you up for one of our courses. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about that, because I think we could totally do a complete episode, if not two, on on the uh, PKTWs. Um, but, you know, go on. Okay, so we're mainly talking about correspondences apart from the, the tangents that I've even already forgotten what we went off on tangents about. I don't know. Uh, the only thing that springs to mind is Lady Poison poking the folk devil with a stang, <laughs> but there we go. Um, See, <laughs> so how do you teach how to use the ingredients of a spell? What's the method? Because I think we both teach the same way. It just also depends. The The only extra input that would change would be the actual student themselves. Wouldn't yeah. It? Yeah. So for me, I, I'd still teach and pretty much always taught the kind of intuitive method. So it would be a case of going out, getting them to go for a walk with a specific focus or spell in mind and gather the ingredients that speak to them at the time so you know or it's a case of if you're just teaching kind of herbology uh, as opposed to actually having a spell in mind then it would be a case of going for walks seeing what jumps out collecting some um you know speaking to you know i use the term speaking very loosely uh to the to the honor in the spirit that is within whatever you know tree or or plant or whatever from an animistic point of view um and then taking some of that home and making that revisit part of the learning with that particular ingredient in mind so you know we're, we're going on herbal because it's the one that makes the most sense to kind of explain this this method 
but essentially is you've got a small amount of it at home that allows you to connect to it remotely and learn more and more about it as you go. You then make part of that, going back to the spot where you took it, um, a regular part of your kind of understanding. And obviously you will learn more and more as you, uh, you know, interact with it. You'll learn its personality, what's different about it. You know, yes, from an animistic point of view, you'd basically say all rosemary is connected wherever it is in the world. But it doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, a, a nation of people um, aren't all the same. So, you know, there is that individual parts of them are going to react. Wait, to wait, 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 wait. You, you mean, you mean that middle-aged white men aren't all the same? Not technically, no. Oh, well, one of the people that posted in the No Holds Barred Witchcraft... No, it wasn't that. Of course, it wouldn't be one of ours in the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Facebook group. The Solitary Witchcraft Facebook group, when I wrote a load of stuff about... um, What was it? Was it the Hermanubis one? I think probably. I think it was Hermanubis article about, obviously, spirits and dissecting them and seeing what they do. Someone just decided not to bother to... <laughs> read anything I wrote and just written a massive comment about middle-aged white men they're all the same and they're all evil <laughs> I thought wow this is very strange and it was the only comment that that article had anyway sorry I, I don't want to <laughs> don't go off on a dungeon again it just popped in my head okay um, so we have a client at the moment so Liam has to read this <laughs> carry on we have a client that's going through this that's looking a little bit more about herbals, someone that we're helping mentor through the Patreon. Um, for those that don't know, obviously on the Patreon, when we meet people and discuss their kind of paths and stuff like that, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So we like to make video notes and then anyone can see the video notes, but obviously it's anonymous as to who the video notes are. There's one on there at the moment, Patreon Paths uh, 2, which is uh, the soul of plants and humans, which goes through this process of, you know, basically the kind of mini homework and stuff I set for this specific person. But it's a case of obviously with herbal, you're choosing going down the scientific medicinal kind of route, or you're going down the magical route. And actually, when it gets down to it, there is no real one or the other. If you start on one path, you'll merge into the other. That, that's, that's the thing. So it's really where you're going to start. Normally, I recommend starting with the intuition and the magical path, just so that what we tend to find, I think, is that when they start getting all of these impressions from these plants and stuff like that, and then they look at the scientific and medicinal attributes of the plants and the growth and, you know, environment and stuff like that, the things that the plant's about and the effects, then you find that there's a lot of correlation between the psychic imagery and the information that comes. And that's a very magical kind of process. You don't necessarily get that with the other way around. You know? No. So that, that's why we start on the magical, intuitive-based stuff. Yeah, because uh, to a certain extent, if you go the other route, you're... <laughs> not actually looking at a set of correspondences but you are looking at a very through a very specific lens so you are looking when you're looking through from a medical point of view you are looking at a um, you know problem solution kind of relationship whereas actually magic doesn't necessarily work in that way and has to find more creative solutions to the to the problem 
in varying combinations. So by go approaching it from the magical point of view, you'll still get to a certain extent to the same point either route. It's just from an we find from an intuitive point of view, you will find those connections quicker um, because they're not forced or taught to you. It is a case of you are experiencing and learning them. You know, when you go from a medical point of view, there are prescribed answers. Whereas actually from the intuitive methods, you're actually learning those as they come to you. It is natural and creative um, and therefore is not there is going to be no right or wrong answer necessarily um, to them. There is going to be your answer and somebody else's answer. Um, they may, you know, line up beautifully because that's the way the universe tends to work. But the point is, is how you got there and what you learned from it is in in some ways a lot more fruitful that way around. Do you think that there is kind of snobbery to a certain extent when it comes to ingredients within spellcasting? Because I know there certainly is when it comes to the methods of creating certain things like magical oils. We are we sell basically two forms of magical oils. They both do the same thing, but they're constructed in different ways. One's essential oil based and one's picking and brewing the plants. Yeah. You know, more hoodoo, traditional witchcraft style way of doing it um, or herbal way of doing it. And you'll get the, the people that's like, no, don't use essential oils for that. That's not going to be that's not going to be very potent magically. And then you've got the. The other kind of method of, well, why are you doing it that way, where you're going and picking the plants and brewing them for X amount of time? That's going to take too long. Why are you dealing with all of that? Yeah. And actually, it's like, to a certain extent, it's snobbery, because both of them will do the same thing. If you've got a money-drawing oil, and one's constructed via essential oils, and one's constructed via other means, traditional brew method, both of them will draw that money but the mechanisms behind how the brew works are actually different. And if you're wondering, certainly on the website and stuff, why we sell different, you know, ones, because obviously we both we make both of those. So we do the hoodoo style ones, the traditional witchcrafty ones, but we also do the little ones that are like poppers and stuff. Well, the reason is because obviously we teach all of this. So when you teach a brewing class and stuff, you're not going to teach one method. You're going to compare and contrast brewer methods. So, so what about magical snobbery and approaches? Because we can be guilty of that maybe every now and then. But what, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Most of our snobbery, though, comes from the source, though, doesn't it? It's the case of, well, actually, where have you heard that? Like, if it's a case of you've turned around and, and can actually go, actually, no, I came up with this because of this, this and this, and my personal experience, blah, then that ha that's valid. That is a valid answer to give. So, you know, for, for yeah. me, I have no, I, I don't tend to have qualms with what people use. What I tend to have is when asked about it, and I find this is where people get uppity about it, is they're not used to being cross-examined as to why they have used something. And therefore, they assume that, that you have some kind of ill intent <laughs> in order to, you're trying to catch them out or whatever. Whereas actually, you know, in the in the job role that we have, we're constantly, um, you know, learning new things about people by their choices. You know, that's the best way to kind of learn anything about them. 
So, you know, if they've got yeah. if they've got an, an obvious answer for why they've always used that item, like, you know, I probably overuse rosemary. Um, and it's not because of some meme or because of some book by John Cunningham. Uh, John? Who's John? Uh, by Scott, Scott Cunningham. John John Cumming, John Cunningham was maybe like his older brother that he stole all the correspondences from. I imagine John Cunningham could have been like this actual proper hardcore traditional witch who used to like journal and make notes. And then Scott Cunningham, the idiot younger brother who didn't actually know anything, stole the notebook and copied it out. And then that's where you get Wicca. Maybe. I don't know if that's true, so, but it's probably not. <laughs> the... <laughs> now I've lost my thread. Um... Should we move on? <laughs> no, I probably had something really interesting. I probably had something really interesting to about... say, but you had to go off with one of your random, you know, let's let's pick on Scott Cunningham situations. Yeah, but Lauren likes it when we go on tangents <laughs> and when I make you squirm. I'll 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 rewind a little bit. So basically, you're talking about these these people that are in the Facebook groups. And they'll write, I did such and such, and I used this. And then you ask them, well, why did you use that? And then they jump in and say, why be me? I can use it that way. Yeah. Is that what you were talking Essentially, about? Essentially, yes, with with less of the sound effects. But the, so yeah, is my that's my issue, is when somebody says, oh, well, I did this because, and their answer is because a book said, or such and such a YouTube video said, and they can't give me an answer as, oh, well, I use this because to me that means that. And yeah, sorry, I was trying to argue why I use rosemary. Um, you know, is because I've grown the plant since I was very little. Um, it's always been in, um, you know, my mum's garden, etc. And therefore I have a long standing relationship with it. So it is my go to. I know there is enough power in there to fuel it because let's face it, that's what it comes down to. Um, which is what's not told to you in the Scott Cunningham book, is that what you're doing is taking energy in order to power a spell. So, you know, for me... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought it was all about the intention, Chris. But maybe I didn't listen to the podcast It's All About the Intentions by the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. Because if I did, I might have learned that it's not all about the intention. Is that what you're going to say? Pretty much is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, that it's that case of that's the bit that is missing. You don't understand why those things mix together. And the reason you don't understand is because the book didn't tell you. Or you haven't yet figured it out for yourself because you've not read other books. Like I said, I've got no problem mm. with somebody reading Scott Cunningham. I think it's a really good idea that everybody reads Scott Cunningham. The reason why is because you can learn how shit it is and then you can realise what a good book <laughs> looks like when the good book comes along. So, you know, you've got that point of as if you read widely outside of your comfort zone. So, you know, I quite rare, you know, regularly read the odd Wiccan book here and there. I very rarely learn anything from it, but I can at least give a flavour for when you come across those clients that have read those, read those books, you understand exactly why they've got the thought process that they've got. Um, so, yeah. you know, for me, I, I, you know, I think any good professor reads as wide as they possibly can in order to make sure they understand the nuances when they deal with the, 
with the student that's coming to them. So why is it that all of these books, and it's not just Scott Cunningham, is it? It's pretty 90% of all of these kind of books out there. Why is it that they don't give the reason behind the ingredients and even behind the methodology? Is it because they don't understand themselves or is it because they're trying to keep it from people? What is it? Because surely it can only be one of those two things. Yeah, I think it's got to. It's either got to be one of those two. But I think part of it, though, comes down to a Western culture thing. Now, I know this is going to be far too uh, left brain for most of them, but is a case of actually going. Think about the timing of when those things come out. I think about what how we work now. We have Wikipedia. What what does that say about the Western methodology of finding information? They like an encyclopedia. We've been taught from the very first dictionaries and the very first encyclopedias of knowledge that there should be a ultimate search guide or source book that gives you enough of the basic information about everything. And I think that's what these tried to be, is that some of these books that they've brought out are your supposed to be your ultimate beginner's guide to everything. So what they are is just listing what things are, different archetypes. Um, this is this is how you cast a circle. This is this is how you call corners, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's a list of ingredients and what you can use them for. And maybe, just maybe, um, Scott Cunningham was actually going for a, here's an idea, have a look at it, expand. Like, you know, to, you know, well, even after he was dead, when he published all those ones after he died, you'd have thought that I thought the Wiccans thought that when you die, you get some sort of enlightenment. I mean, he's still doing it now, so surely it's not got that much more of an enlightened answer. But... <laughs> he's still publishing the shit now. So, but that that's, <laughs> you can't you can't blame Scott Cunningham for that. At the end of the day, those those are what the publishers have done with it afterwards. But the actual core writing of what's there, you know, we've often said it's nigh impossible to write an intermediate book anyway. Um, what we're trying to get at is why are the beginner's books so shit? Um, and that's down to the fact that things are taught badly and then people think that that's it. They treat it like a cookbook and think, well, once I've learned it, well, that's how I make scones. Um Whereas actually they don't think, well, what can I make? What can I do different to that recipe in order to make better scones? Um, and I think lots of people just don't yeah. don't get to that next level because then they're happy with what they've got and what they're doing. Um, whereas to me and yourself, you know, witchcraft is a craft, you know, therefore you should be constantly trying to perfect your methods even if you do, you know, you're one of these people that only does love spells and for the rest of your life, you only do love spells. But if that's going to be your, you know, your space, make those the best love spells that anybody could possibly ever do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to me, you should be always pushing that boundary of there's got to be a better way or a more efficient way in order to do it. Um, you know, and that's what would then end up in grandma's cookbook and the recipe book that you would have picked up if we'd have not had the repeal of the Witchcraft Act. Yeah, I, I, what I look at when I see beginner books on witchcraft that say this is a beginner book on witchcraft is they 
steal all the iconography from traditions that they probably don't quite understand. Hashtag Keldon's Book of Traditional Witchcraft. Um, and then they kind of try to cobble together a magical system. Yeah. Whereas when you look at how we teach, actually, we don't start giving people the answers of, well, this is what you do. Like you look at these Wiccan books and stuff. It's like, well, when you die, you go to the Summerlands, that sort of thing. Blah, 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 blah. You do this, you do that. You do this initiative right. You do that initiative right. You do this. This is how you do the spell for that. When actually all of this is self is discovery. So what a book really for a beginner should be is it should be lining them up to do something that they discover answers it should work in a what is it we normally say um physiotherapy kind of perspective yeah because it is possible to kind of do that in the written word yeah but it does mean of course that there are no actual real answers because when you write a book like that they've got to go and do all of the stuff which builds their system in their mind of how they think the universe works and helps them develop the abilities you can mark that with a multiple choice question and answer, which is with the education system nowadays. That's what we kind of have, isn't it? That's how we're used to learning. Yeah. There's always a right answer. There's always a wrong answer. Yeah. Whereas actually the real magic is mastering techniques, which you decide what technique am I going to use to do this or to find this out or to blah, 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 blah. And it's never that. It's always... I've got a structure, you've got to learn that structure. When you've learned that structure, you can repeat it back to me and I'll give you an A star or your third degree initiation. Yeah. But then you've only got to look at our education system to understand that, of actually what is flawed yeah. with that is the fact that, you know, you you go through school and you're like, here's, here's the periodic table. <laughs> um, these, are how, these are, and then you get to secondary school and they go, oh, okay, well, you know you learned about there is something called the periodic table. This is how atoms work. And then you spend the next few years learning how atoms work. Then you get to college and they go, oh, forget what you learned there. That's not how atoms work. This is how atoms work. But if you hadn't have learned the previous step, you wouldn't now understand what I'm about to tell you. Then you go off to university and they tell you, actually, all that was complete bollocks. And actually, um, there's no such thing as an atom. We constructed it in order to make you understand it. And then, and then that's, you know, so like that is how, how we are taught in this world. So why do they not expect magic to be the same? Which is you get to the end of the Scott Cunningham book, you sign yourself that special uh, certificate that's written in the back and then you go okay well i've <laughs> i've learned everything scott cunningham told me to do in the beginner's book now how do i deconstruct it to learn something new and now of course we have the wiccan and witchcraft diplomas from the center of excellence whereby you don't actually technically need to read it all. All you need to do is get the PDF, use the search function, go to the um, go to the the back of the, the the course where it's ask you the answers and that. Type the the question in the answers or the keywords from the question that is asking you in the exam, and then it will bring you to the bit. You can copy and paste the information in. There we go. <laughs> 
if you want a center of excellence diploma within 10 minutes and don't and have to read through the course material that's what i suggest you do but anyway we are going to do actually our own um podcast when it all comes to all these witchcraft diplomas and that sort of thing because we end up finding more and more and more of them that come to our attention and well it's gone beyond a joke now now i used to laugh at them now i just feel like oh that's just so sad but any last thoughts you've got 10 seconds left (laughs) (laughs) what would scott cunningham use what would scott cunningham use there we go so everyone thank you for supporting us obviously the patreons thank you the most because you're the best 